Shalom, and thank you for listening to the weekly teaching from Nachamu Ami. It's our honor that you've chosen to participate virtually, and we hope that this lesson will be an inspiration in your daily walk. Don't miss a single teaching. Be sure to download the Nachamu Ami app by visiting our website at www.makeandmessianic.com and clicking the Download the App button in the top left corner. Enjoy the message. So, first off, let me offer a word of apology because if this is your first time at Nechamuami, first of all, we're very happy to have you with us. You are coming in on the 16th week of a series on Hebrews. 17, but who's counting, right? Um, so the good news is, that here's the bad news. It's not really bad. I'm still going to, I'm still going to, it's going to end really well. And so it'll be worth hearing. That's the, but the, but the not so good news is that you're going to be 17 weeks behind. The good news is all of the recordings are online. So you have time to catch up and that way you'll know more of what we're talking about. But we launched a series called a better covenant, Yeshua and the sacrificial system. And so today we end this series. Therefore, when Yeshua had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. And I heard you say, I hope he's talking about this series. I heard you say that. And we will finish it today. But friends, we have spent nearly the last four months trying to understand the implications of what that statement means through the lens of the book of Hebrews, the themes, the message that the author was communicating. And along the way, we have used a lot of scripture to do that. A lot of scripture. We've learned some new words, some new concepts. Protos means, deuteros means, We've learned about the olam hazeh, which is, and the olam haba, which is the world to come. We've learned about penal substitutionary atonement. We've learned about the suffering of the righteous. We've learned about ritual and moral purity. We've learned about the melchizedekian, that's a made up word, priesthood. The priesthood of melchizedek. We've learned about Korban, that is a gift or an offering, translated sacrifice. We've learned about what sacrifices do. Korav, they are a way to draw near to God in the Torah. We've studied the sacrifices, the sacrificial system, the priesthood, the new covenant, the old covenant. We've learned that the Brit Hadashah is not a good name for the New Testament. We've learned about better covenants, better promises, better ministries, better priesthood. And we've discovered the audience for the letter of Hebrews, a logical determination that this audience is a group of Jews and God-fearing Gentiles living in Jerusalem or at least in Israel, suffering some persecution at the hands of the temple authorities, not being able to go to the temple where they have spent their entire lives worshiping God. And we learned that even after Yeshua, they continued to go to the temple. And so we understand the dilemma that would happen for them if they were not allowed to go to the place where Israel drew near to God. 
What would they do if they were not allowed to come into the walls and to bring the sacrifices? And what about the world to come for them? What would that look like? And we most definitely drove home the point that the world to come is what the author is talking about. And we learn that from a phrase, a scripture you should know by heart by now, Hebrews 2:5 where he says, for he did not subject to angels to the he did not subject the world to come to angels concerning which we are speaking. We're talking in this book about the world to come and we've learned that. We've covered some serious ground and yet at the end of the day can we answer the question, what did Yeshua mean when he said it is finished? We've considered a lot of traditional interpretations. A lot, a lot. We did this a lot. Answer to the question, what is finished in traditional Christian theology is a very easy conclusion, right? What is finished according to traditional Christian thought? The Torah, the sacrifices, the temple, the priesthood of Aaron. And, and, and we've shown that, that the Torah cannot be finished because it's part of the new covenant. It's the central part of the new covenant. We've shown that the priesthood of Aaron cannot be finished because the prophets speak of a temple, thus showing that the temple cannot be finished. We've shown all of these things that the sacrifices, we, we showed that, that that can't be true if there's a temple. What is finished? What did he mean? Paul comes to the rescue in Romans 5 and says, for if by the transgression of the one, who is the one? Adam. Death reigned through the one. Much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Messiah Yeshua. What life is he talking about? Life on this earth? Life on this earth where we will, it'll be a big cakewalk and we won't have any problems. We're reigning in life. We're, we're conquering all of our problems and challenges through Jesus. No, that's not what he means. We will reign in life, everlasting life, eternal life in the world to come through Messiah Yeshua. Thus, I have still not answered the question, what is finished? The curse of death, separation eternally from God, the finality of this life, it is finished for us through the suffering of the righteous and holy Messiah, Yeshua. We have a hope, correct? We have a hope. There is in no sense of the word the idea that this world for us becomes a pleasant and easy life, that we're reigning in life through Jesus. That's not what happened. Now, that is not to say that there is not solace, that there is not comfort given through the Ruach HaKodesh that Yeshua gave to us, but this is what it is finished means. You have a hope and eternal life. And this is what the book of Hebrews says by saying that like a sacrifice, remember, 
Yeshua is not a Levitical sacrifice. We learn this. He's not a lamb. He's not a bull. He's not a goat. He didn't die for farm animals. He died to take away the curse of death that would eternally separate from you, so, you from God. So like a sacrifice, his death has brought you near to God, not in this world, in the next Here's the weird thing, and I'm going to say this, and it's going to be very controversial. Jews don't know Yeshua the way that we do, and yet I assure you there are millions of them drawing near to God in this world. My point being, you don't need Yeshua in this world to draw near to God. Now that may sound just hellaciously heretical. But you see Jews who live without Yeshua, who have a deep, deep connection to God. Olam hazeh, this world. The next world is something different. And what is finished is our inability to go to the world to come. Now this is not difficult teaching, is it? We all know this. Believe in Jesus, die, go to heaven. That's the traditional equation, right? Insurance policy, we're going because we, we believe in that. But is this, is this the main message of Hebrews? Is this what the author is actually attempting to communicate? Is this why he wrote this book for us to understand this? What is the message of Hebrews? I've told you now what is finished, the curse of death and the separation. Is that the main message of Hebrews? No. Here's how the author of Hebrews' book is laid out and why it's this way. Hebrews says to you, it is finished, but not yet realized. It is finished, but it is not yet realized. There is something coming where we will reign in life. And the author of Hebrews refers to this as the time of reformation. Remember that? We think of the Reformation. We're immediately drawn to Martin Luther in the 16th century, and we're thinking, well, that was what we were waiting for. No, the time of Reformation means the reforming of the world. That's why it's called reformation. The world will be different, and you will have a different way of being. You will have better promises realized in your new body. It doesn't have that nasty sin thing and desire to sin because that's all been, that's all been taken apart. That's all been removed when all of these better promises that we talked about are in full bloom. When the world has truly passed away. The time of reformation will be here. So it is finished, but it is not realized, right? Is that the author's main message? Well, not exactly. What we can be certain of, and this is what we spent all of this time talking about, what we can be certain of is that his message had nothing to do 
with changing, terminating, destroying the Torah, the priesthood, the sacrifices, the, the temple. And if nothing else out of the last period of time we've invested in learning, you know that. And you know why. Our series has hopefully connected the Bible for you, brought it, harmonized things that were difficult to understand. The Torah is alive and well in this world and in the next. The eternal statutes given to Aaron and the priesthood, those can remain intact with no problems until which is what the Torah when it says in eternity. between Chitzet's priesthood and Aaron's There's no conflict between the temple sacrifices and Yeshua's sacrifices. There's harmony. They brought us near, but in different venues. Human sacrifice is not in view. Anti-missionaries and critics are silenced. The suffering of the righteous explains the merit we have gained by the perfect one. We know what bulls and goats could do and could not do. We know why Yeshua was compared to a lamb. We know this now, and so did they then. They understood what we've learned. So with this knowledge gained, is the book of Hebrews actually a complicated and deep theological treatise where we need to invest like years to understand what is the message? Well, first of all, to miss the message by making this some diatribe against Judaism and the Torah, that completely misses the mark. And, and I want you to understand something, again, potentially, potentially controversial. The book of Hebrews is not solely about the supremacy of Yeshua either. It's a big part of it. The supremacy of Yeshua, his work, what he did, his priesthood. But that's not all that it is. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he, he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling, to, assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Hear this word, my friends. It is realized, but it is not finished. His entire message is built on these two words. We have to hold fast. It is realized, but it is not finished. We have to hold fast. He says at the end of the book, I urge you, brethren, hear this word of exhortation, for I've only written to you briefly He's saying, please hear what I'm really saying to you. And what is that? 
It's not a theological discourse, really. That's in there, but it's an encouragement, a faith, a hope builder, a plan of action based on this statement, we must hold fast. His finale all the way through here, starting in chapter three, we hold fast to our confidence. We hold fast the beginning of our assurance, partakers of Messiah. Let us hold fast our confession. Hope until the end, inherit the promises. Take hold of the hope set before us. That's not from Exodus, that's from Hebrews. All of these texts, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And you need endurance so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. The message of Hebrews says it is finished but is not realized. You must Hold on, hold fast, take hold, have faith, need of endurance everywhere. And especially the main theological thrust of this book through chapter 6 and 10, faith, hope, love, endurance, persistence. And for the Hebrews, for the literal Hebrews, the people that are written, the book is written to, he says, I see what's going on. I understand your struggles. I know what's happening. I know how hard it is. I know that you're worried. I know that you're concerned. I've told you about what's to come, and there's hope in that. But I know in this life right now, there are huge challenges, and the world around you is crumbling. It's unstable. Your prayers don't seem to be answered. It's just not good What was comfortable and familiar to you is changing rapidly. You're concerned. I get it, my friends, he says to them. You're concerned about the direction of the world and what's going to happen to you. And you're realizing now that the decision you made to follow Yeshua comes with a price. And that whole thing about picking up your cross and carrying it, it actually, he meant that. He meant that. And he gives them some some perspective at one point when he says, you haven't suffered and died yet. Like, that's something I'd like to say sometimes. I hear you, man. You're not bleeding. You're not dead. Hold fast. Pick up. Keep going. That's kind of what he says in a nicer way than that. He quotes Proverbs. He says, my son, don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you're reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. In other words, you haven't even really suffered in comparison to Yeshua, and what God's doing for you is for your own good. I know it's tough, guys. He says, I know it's tough, but consider these people. And then he opens up into what? The infamous Hebrews 11 Hall of Fame of faith. Got to hold fast. From, 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 from uh, Abel to, to, to Abraham and Sarah to Moses. All of these people. Everybody knows the Hall of Fame of Faith, right? But there's an interesting thing that he closes the Hall of Fame of Faith with, which goes along with our theme that says it is finished but not yet realized. And he says, all these, 
all these, and he says, I could take forever listing out the names of the faithful in the Bible. All of these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. In other words, God had this plan from the beginning, the remedy before the wound, and even all of these very holy people, even they are not going in apart from us and our faith in Yeshua and the way they held fast and what they went through, you have to do the same thing. For us, my friends, this message, 1960 some years later, just as relevant. Just as relevant. The book is written for you. That's why the Ruach HaKodesh chose to inspire this book to be included, even though some people didn't want it to be. And I don't know why it had to be so complicated and be so incredibly misinterpreted for so long, but we fixed that. Now let's really get the message out. Hold fast. Anyone know who Marty Sampson is? Marty Sampson is a, uh, a musician for Hillsong. Everyone knows Hillsong. Shout to the Lord. That's about a 30-year-old song. That's how relevant I am. But he wrote a lot of very famous songs. I stumbled across an article. Marty Sampson this week posted on his blog, time for some real talk. Sampson wrote in a now-deleted Instagram post, I'm genuinely losing my faith, and it doesn't bother me. Like, what bothers me now is nothing. I'm so happy now, so at peace with the world, it's crazy. Now, before we shake our heads and say, oh, you heathen, pagan, horrible person, before we shake our heads, hear me, I'm not actually totally critical of Marty because what is there, in a sense, is a cry for help. He continues and says, this is a soapbox moment, so here I go. How many preachers fall? Many. How many talk about it? How many miracles happen? Not many. How many talk about it? Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. How can God be loved yet send four billion people to a place all because they don't believe? No one talks about it. Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet. They can also be some of the most beautiful and loving people, but it's not for me. I am not in anymore, Samson wrote. I want genuine truth, not just the I just believe it kind of truth. Now, now someone can say, heathen, pagan, loser. That's a real cry for help from someone who is saying, I want to believe it, but it is not being demonstrated. And as a side note, when we read things in the Bible, and there are, there are obviously difficult, contradictory things, and we say to somebody, just believe it. Without a discussion and an opportunity to talk about it, this is where they can end up. And so we've always here at Nechamuami been willing to have the difficult talks and talk about it because it matters. Faith is not some, some just uh, another lecture, another sermon. But, but Marty's story, Marty's story is happening a lot. It really is. 
some other guy. And, and, and what I love is, this, this is what I love about the world, sarcasm. Sarcasm alert. A couple of weeks ago, some guy wrote, who wrote a book called Kissing Dating Goodbye many years ago about, you know, some Christian way to date. He came out and, and said, you know what, I'm, I'm not even a believer anymore. Uh, I'm supporting homosexual agenda and all these different kinds of things. And, and it was a huge deal. And now Marty Sampson comes out and says this, it's a huge deal. What about the millions of Christians who are changing the world every day with their, their action. Where, where are their stories? We love to focus on the failures because it's not a failure. It's a failure in their eyes for God. God's failing. See, I told you religion is just opiate for the masses. They love this. But it doesn't change the fact that it's real and it's happening and people are losing their faith and they're not coming in these doors and they're not coming into the 10,000 megachurch doors with explosions and fireworks and free barbecue buffets and an indoor swimming pool for the kids. They're not going there either because the questions aren't being answered. And in this day, our day, listen to this, 2019, it is unbelievable. We hear 16 people dead in, in so-and-so, 70 people killed in this place by someone who went and blew something up. Walmart, walk in, dead. It's, we're so callous to it. Mass shootings, people walking in and opening fire and killing innocent people. In this day of mass shootings, sex trafficking, slavery, I, wrote a, I, I read a statistic, it's not verified, but, but it said, it was from a reputable source that said, there are more people in slavery now than there have been throughout history combined in the world. That's not to minimize the slavery that has taken place. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying it's 2019. Aren't we supposed to be better than this? Aren't we supposed to be more advanced? The world is upside down. Religions decaying. Synagogues, churches closing their doors. Men becoming women. Women becoming men. And that's normal. It's, it's abnormal for me to not understand that. But I don't understand it. It's not because I dislike or hate anyone. I just don't get it. But I do get it through a biblical eye because the world is upside down. It is finished but not realized. Hold fast. Isaiah 5 says this. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. The world is upside down and it's not going to get better. I'm sorry. Sorry. I wish I could tell you until. Until. It is finished, but not yet realized. Until. 
And one might be thinking, he's telling us all this about believing that Yeshua is the way to be saved and into the world to come. I need to hold fast to faith. Seriously, that's not even a struggle for me. Guess what? It could be. Remember this? Remember this gem of an uplifting word that Yeshua brings to us? For then there will be great tribulation, such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Unless those days have been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. I don't even struggle with my faith in Yeshua. You could, and you need to watch yourself, and you need to hold fast to your confession. Well, that's depressing. Wow. 17 weeks of sitting in these chairs for you to take me here? I want my money back. Okay, let's, let's make a turn. And here is the main point. And if I, could get a, if I could get a shirt made, this I would love to be our battle cry as a congregation. We are not those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. In other words, we are those who hold fast. There is a hope. There is a hope. And the author of Hebrews presents it succinctly and clearly in just a, a few verses, 17 weeks of teaching. I could have compressed it down into these five slides. On many past occasions, in many different ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets, but in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. When God subjected all things to him, he left nothing outside of his control, yet at present, we do not see everything subjected to him. It is finished, but not realized. We see Yeshua, who was made a little lower than angels, now crowned with glory and honor, because he suffered death, suffering of the righteous, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death forever everyone. That is finished, the curse of death. Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, set your focus on Yeshua, the apostle and high priest, Melchizedekian priest, and we confess he was faithful to the one who appointed him. Note that. He is in submission to the Father, Abinu Shabashamayim, the king of the universe. To the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Yeshua, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we profess. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and steadfast. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. That is, into the deuteros where Yeshua, our forerunner, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. So do not throw away your confidence. It holds a great reward. Thank you, author of Hebrews. It is finished, but not realized. Damien, I thought it wasn't about, you, you always make fun of people who say, I'm dying and going to heaven. Sounds like that's what you're saying we should be waiting for. Don't miss the conclusion of the author of Hebrews. 
Here's all the things that he wants us to do in the protos. Because it is finished but not realized. You are still on the clock. Continue in brotherly love. Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. Remember your, I like this one. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Do not neglect to do good and to share with others for such sacrifices God is pleased. We're talking about sacrifices. Very interesting. You can read Hebrews. He talks about the, the, uh, the, the, the fruit of our lips is like bulls from Hosea, which is very, very interesting when connected to traditional Judaism and the destruction of the temple and how we offer sacrifices to God with the praises of our lips. I think the author of Hebrews beat him to it. But that's a distraction, I'm sorry. And this one. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. On the 10th anniversary, how could God have worked it out any better? Not forsaking our assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What does that mean? It means as dramatic as this may sound, that Matthew scripture I read you, it is conceivable that all you could have in the world is the people that surround you right now. Oh my gosh, I don't want Paul Cave to be my... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> don't neglect the assembling together. Do not neglect what we have. Ten years, my friends, something very special is within these four walls. We have been through hell and back, I assure you. Kelly and I have, like, we have nearly lost it a lot. But we hold fast. And we look around and we see there's something so very special. We must nurture it. See, we, we I like to think are genuine people with a genuine love for God and a genuine love for each other and a genuine desire to, as Marty Sampson said above, pursue genuine truth. We are not afraid of tackling genuine difficulties in the Bible and the understanding of it. Marty Sampson, if you're hearing me, we're not afraid. Get in touch. We can talk about these things. And maybe from a Jewish perspective, they might make sense. And we are most definitely genuinely convinced of the fact that we are genuinely up the creek without a genuine faith and belief in Yeshua the Messiah. That we have a genuine calling to meet people where they are, offer them a welcome, welcome with genuinely open arms. That is Nechamu Ami. After 10 years, and my friends, more than ever, Ezrat Hashem, you know that phrase? By God's strength. We are called to hold fast, to, to, to 
Hashem, to our hope and our confession of Yeshua, to each other, and goodness sakes, to a world desperate to have something real when it comes to God. We must nurture it. We cannot forsake the assembly. Don't treat this casually. Because we are in the protos. It is finished, but not yet realized. If you're listening to this sermon online, connect with us here. Connect with the synagogue. Don't feel alone. Don't feel isolated. Even if geographically you're far away, we have people in South Africa. We have people in India. We have people all over the world that listen. If you guys are out there and you're alone, don't feel excluded. Partner with us. Connect at makingmessianic.com. We'll pray for you. We'd love to build a relationship with you, even from a distance. We'll answer questions, support you. Prayer request, care at makingmessianic.com. You can be connected. I'm talking to you. I'm looking at these people, but I'm talking to these people. But I want them to know that within within these walls are people who care about them. and who care about each other. It is our mission from Hebrews to hold fast, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It is finished, but not yet realized, but it will be hold fast. The days are drawing near. The high holidays are drawing near. Next week, Elul, the entrance into the high holidays. Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, which we've talked so much about. My hope, my hope in closing echoes the hope of the author of Hebrews. I urge you, brothers and sisters, hear my word of exhortation. For truly, it's been weeks, but I've only written you briefly. There's so much more. My hope has been and is especially during the upcoming season of these days of all that knowing what you now know from the book of Hebrews about sacrifices, priesthood, that it gives you a a, a profoundly deeper appreciation for these themes and particularly as we're bringing our, our confession and rending our hearts before the Lord as a community that now your understanding of the work of Yeshua as the high priest in the Deuteros makes Yom Kippur in the Protos all the more meaningful for you. The suffering of the, the perfectly righteous one and this immeasurably greater hope and the expectation of promises given us, better promises in the world to come. For as you know, that is what we've been talking about. Hold fast. Remember this. Our citizenship is in heaven. I once knew a band who derived their name from that scripture. (laughs) Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there. Yeshua HaMashiach 
who by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. The time of reformation. I found the perfect song. I'm a musician. Have to end with a song. The perfect song. The song that the author of Hebrews would have loved. I love it too. Just listen and we'll go out and we'll celebrate together 10 years as a family and we will look forward to 10 more and many more. Hold fast. Take courage. It is finished but not realized. Until then, he's in the waiting. We hope you enjoyed the weekly teaching. We'd love to hear from you with a comment, a prayer request, or questions you might have. We believe the mission and message of Messianic Judaism is something the world needs now. If you enjoy these teachings, would you consider financially supporting the work of Nachamu Ami by visiting our website at www.makinmessianic.com and clicking the Give Online button in the upper right corner. Thank you again for listening. 